Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 8. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 8. We are starting today a brand new series of the life and ministry of David. The life and ministry of David. And as we go through this series, we understand that because David's life was spread out so much and there's so much scripture given to it, that we're actually going to divide this series into two parts. The first part is going to deal with the first Samuel section where David is not king, but God told him he's going to be a king and how God prepared him and how God moved and how God is working. And to be honest, that the book of first Samuel is a contrast between two men and their hearts. That with David, you're going to see that this is a man after God's own heart, whereas Saul is going to be a man after the people's own heart. And the differences of the reign and the differences of the consequences of both of them and their desire to be pleasing to God or be pleasing to themselves. As we begin this series, we start off in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 8. The book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 8. And if you don't mind, notice with me in verse 1. 1 Samuel, chapter number 8, and verse 1. The word of God says this. And it came to pass when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the, the nations. And the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. Then Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I shall not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, whereof they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they all. Also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice. Howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them. And show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him a king. And he said this will be the manner of the king that you shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself for his chariots to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captain over thousands and captain over fifties. And set them to 
ear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, and the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give them to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your manservants and your maidservants and your goodliness young men and your asses and put them to his work. And he shall take a tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which you have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto a city. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 8? 1 Samuel chapter 8, and notice what the people said in verse number 5. Make us a king. Make us a king. And with the Lord's help, we want to introduce this series and introduce this message with the idea, make us a king. Make us a king. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And you are a God who truly does love us. A God who cares for us. A God who wants the best for us. A God who knows more than us. But yet, Lord, so many times we want our own way. So many times we want to make the decisions. So many times, Lord, we just think that we know what's best. And Lord, we end up having consequences in our life because of it. Lord, I'm asking that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us discernment. And that most of all, that you would have us, because of this message, to cause us to seek after you and your will and your desire for us. Again, I have no power in myself. I'm asking that you would fill me with your precious spirit and that you would get your own work accomplished. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we begin this, we understand that we're starting this series of the life of David and we're starting in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Why are we starting in 1 Samuel chapter 8? Well, the reason is, is because we've already covered the chapter 7 and below in another series of the period of the Judges. Now, this is the section of history that has come right before they get a king, the period of the judges. Do you remember history? Uh, as we come up here, let me explain, first of all, the period of the judges. Now, what had happened in the period of the judges is that God had led the children of Israel out of captivity. He led them out of Egypt with his strong hand. He opened up the sea, and then he uh, let the people cross on dry land. And for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness because of the people's disobedience. But then Moses died 
And God set up Joshua to lead the people into the promised land, the land that he wanted them. And as they went into the promised land, they saw great victories, but it wasn't complete victories. Now, the whole purpose of the period of the judges is that God's desire was that people would seek him for the answers. That they didn't have to go through a priest. They didn't have to go through this. But he wanted people to look at God himself. The actual type of government they had was a theocracy. A theocracy. A theocracy is a government ruled by God. And that God's desire was that people would go to God themselves and say, God, what do you want from me in my life? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to marry? Where do you want me to live? That was God's desire. Was that he didn't want you to have to worry about a government or a human leader or someone else telling you what to do. He wanted you to go straight to God himself. However, the people refused to go to God. That during the time of the judges, that people, as the book of Judges says twice, that there was no king in that days. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. That it became a place of anarchy. That instead of looking for God and God's will, everyone said, well, I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And what happened is that they did not serve the God of the Bible, but they started to serve other gods. They started to celebrate different other things. And they got in trouble over and over and over because they sought for their will rather than God's will. And this cycle went over and over in the period of Judges. What cycle, you may say? Well, it starts off where the people had the freedom and they said, we're not going to serve God. We're going to do what we want. That led to the place where God said, no, I want you to seek me. So God allowed trouble in their life. He allowed oppression by other nations to come. What happened after that is the people endured the oppressions. And finally they said, God, deliver us. Get us out of this. Save us from our problems. And so God sent a deliverer. And they delivered them from the oppression. And the people were supposed to once again serve God. But they did not. And they did what they wanted to. So in order for God to get their attention, he sent another oppressor from a different nation to put them under bondage and put them into the place where they said, No, God, let us go. Save us from our problems. And God sent a deliverer to deliver from their problems. And then they had the freedom once again. And they said, instead of serving God, they did whatever they wanted. And as they did whatever they wanted, God wanted them to serve him. And so he allowed another oppressor to hit. And the cycle goes on. Over and over and over. Why? Because the people would not search after God. They did what was right in their own eyes. That was the whole problem. Well, the people are finally at the place where they said, you know what? We're done with this. We're done with this. And you say, good, that, that's a good response to be done with this. Let's not get this cycle no more. But when they came to their decision... They came to a bad decision dealing with this idea that we understand that Samuel is the transition of this process. That Samuel is the last judge and the first prophet. And he is the one that's going to be used to bring them from the period of the judges to the period of the kings. The period where they're ruling over the kings. 
Well, if you don't mind, let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 8 and let's examine this text, knowing that they are now in the period of the judges transitioning to the place where they have a king. And let's see what the Bible has to say concerning this. The next thing I'd like to show you is not only the period of the judges, but I want to show you the people's demand. The people's demand. Notice with me in verse number 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel and the second Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. So we come up to the place here. The period of judges was so corrupt that even Samuel's kids, the preacher's kids, were sucked up in this idea. That the preacher's kids were not looking for what God wanted, but they were looking out for themselves. Hey, you need something? Give me a bribe and I'll hook you up. And even the kids were corrupt. And the people could tell, oh, this cycle's starting over again. That we're getting to the place where we don't have someone to tell us what to do. We don't have someone that's going to keep us out of trouble. So the people came to their own idea. Verse number 4. Then the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old. And thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king. To judge us like all the nations. Now at this time, Israel is supposed to be a theocracy. It is supposed to be a country whose government is ruled by God. And the purpose was is that the people were supposed to go to God himself and find out what did God want us to do. Well, after all these years, the people refused to look for God. They refused to look for God's will, and the consequences remain. So here's their bright idea. Here's their idea, which may sound familiar in today's thing. We want the government to solve our problems. We want the government to take care of us. Hey, all the other nations, they have the government taking care of us. If we can have the government take care of us, we'll be like the other nations. We'll be happy. We don't have to find God's will if the government takes care of us. Let the government tell us what we can do. Let the government feed us. Let the government clothe us. Let the government take care of all of our needs. The government is the answer. May I tell you, it's not going to work. And God's going to warn them that it's not going to work. But even after all of these years... 3,000 years later, if we're going to apply it to our culture, you know what the people are saying now? The government's the answer. The government will take care of us. The government will feed us, clothe us, give us the health care we need. It's the government. The government is the answer. May I tell you in big, bold print, underlined and underscore, the government is never the answer. <laughs> the government is never the answer. But why do people seek for the government? Because they will not seek for God and His will. They will not go up to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? God, I want your wisdom. Tell me how to take care of my finances. You know, the Bible says how to take care of your finances. God, tell me what I should look for in a spouse. 
Do you know the Bible talks to you about what to look for in a spouse? God, I have a major decision. What should I do? Do you know the Bible gives us wisdom to make decisions? God, where should I live? Do you know the Bible can give you guidance on where you should live and where you should not live? But the people did not want to seek after God. And they said, you know, if we keep this cycle over and over, we're going to go through oppression again. So we don't want to go through oppression. We don't want to get to the place where, where we have judgment on us. So our answer is, give us a king. That we could be like all the other nations. You know, the other nations, they're prospering because their government's taking care of them. These other nations here, they have security because the government's taking care of them. So we want to be like all the other nations, and that's exactly what they said. Give us a king. So this was the people's demand. We start off with the period of the judges reminding you that it was a time of anarchy. And the people were tired of the anarchy and the oppression and the cycle. So their big idea was not to seek after God, but let the government take care of them. What's, what happens after this? Well, notice if you don't mind, not only do we see the people's demand, but we see the prayer of Samuel. The prayer of Samuel. Notice with me in chapter 8 and verse number 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. You know, Samuel had the right response. That Samuel's brokenhearted because the people are saying, we don't want to know what God wants. We want someone to tell us what to do. We want to go our own way. We want something else to be the boss over us. So Samuel brokenheartedly went to God and prayed and said, God, what do I do? God, they want a king. What's the response? Notice as he talks with God, God responds back in verse number 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken to the voice of the people in that day that they say unto thee. God, you know what God just said? Give them what they want. Give them what they want. Tell them that, oh fine, if you want a king, that's what you get. You say, but well, wait a second. Isn't God supposed to be the ruler over all? He's supposed to be. Isn't God the sovereign God? Doesn't he make people obey? He does not. You know something about our God is that he's always a perfect gentleman. He will not force his will upon someone else. If someone doesn't want to be saved, he will not force them to be saved. If they don't want to go to church, he won't force them to go to church. If they don't want to obey him, he will not force them to obey. You know what he did is he gave them permission. Do what they want. Now for us, this is a dangerous thing. That God can actually tell you, go ahead, do whatever you want. You're going to do it anyways. Now, I grew up in a time where we didn't have as much safety for kids. You might remember that. For example, you see this light socket. As a kid, you take a paper clip and say, hmm, I wonder what happens if I put the paper clip in there. And they didn't have any safety things. And you know, after a while, the kid keeps going up to it. And the parent says, no. Kid keeps going and the parent says, no. You know what? After a while, the parent says, all right, go ahead and see what happens then, huh? Oh, you won't do that again now. Because they had consequences for their action. The parent said, fine, you're going to go ahead and help yourself. Remember when we had like big, heavy TVs? And you pull on the cord, you know, and what happened? You know, the parent says, no, parent says, no. And then after a while, fine, let's see what happens. 
You know what? They learned a lesson then. They had consequences for it. You remember those days, right? When we had consequences for our actions. You know what God does? God will finally say, no, if you have your own way, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, that shows it's a dangerous thing because people can get a peace. Well, pastor, I just believe that I'm supposed to move to this place here. How do you know? Well, I've got peace. Well, pastor, I'm supposed to marry this person over here. How do you know? Well, I've got peace. You know, you could work up a false peace. And you get to the place where God says, hey, you're going to do it anyways. Go ahead. Does that mean that God wants you to do it? No. He just says, you're going to do it anyways. Go ahead. You said, does God do that? Absolutely. In the book of Numbers, it records a preacher by the name of Balaam. And Balaam was told by God not to go with the Moabites. And you know what? He went to God and said, God, can I go with the Moabites? God said, no. Well, he said, well, guys, sorry. God said, I said, no. Well, they came back and said, we'll give you more money if you go. Oh, really? God, can I go? Now, God's already told him, no. Is God going to change his mind? No. God, but really, really, they said they'll give money. I'll please. I said, no. God said, I can't go, guys. Well, how about if we give you a little bit more? God, can I go now? And God could tell Balaam's heart and said, fine, just go. Now, when God said go, did he really want him to go? No. He just said, you already made your mind up. Go ahead and do what you're going to do anyways. There's going to be consequences. How do you know that God didn't want him to go? Well, remember Balaam's riding the donkey and he has an angel pop up in front of him and he can't see him, but the donkey stops and he's all mad. You know what God's trying to do? He's trying to say, hey man, I'm trying to stop you from making a mistake. Don't go. Don't go. But Balaam was determined to go anyways. Now, we're talking about characters in the Bible. Could it be, could it be that there's times in our life that we're so determined to get our own way that God just says, go ahead and do, do what you want anyways? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we cannot base things off of our feelings, base things off of a peace that we get. We have to base things off of a Bible. You know how God speaks to us? He speaks to us in three ways. He speaks to us, first of all, through the word of God. That is the primary way of speaking. That he will never give us something outside of the word of God. The second way is through other Christians. Do you know the Bible says there's a safety in a multitude of counselors? A safety in a multitude of counselors. Now, here's another mistake that people make. They go and ask the people they know that's going to agree with them. Well, I did a survey of all my friends and they agreed this is the best course of action. You know, you could always find someone who's going to agree with you. That when we have a safety in a multitude of counselors, you will find someone who's living for the Lord, who's trying to do what's right and ask them. And they can help guide. Now, let me give you something here. As a pastor, I cannot tell you what God's will is. That's what I'm not teaching. I'm not teaching that you need to come to pastor because God will tell you what to do. Or your pastor will tell you what to do. He'll tell you what color car you have. That's not what I'm saying. I can't tell you what God's will is, but I can take the Bible and show you some principles in the Bible for you to follow. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. Sometimes people will come, and this has happened in the past, where someone will come up and say, Pastor, 
I think we're supposed to move and I don't know where we're, you know, I'm just letting you know. But you think we should move? My first question is, is there a church you're supposed to go to? Do you already have a church there? No, we don't have a church there. Then it's not God's will for you to move. I can tell you that from the Bible. Well, there is a church there. Well, will you grow there? Will you grow as a Christian there or will you stagnate? Well, well, then let me tell you, according to the Bible, and I can show you principles of the Bible. Does that make sense? Other Christians who are following the Lord could give you principles to follow that can either confirm that this is where I'm supposed to go or not to go. Let me give you another example. Do you know that godly fathers will not fall in love with a boy for their daughter? Their daughter might get twiddle-pated, right? We know that there's girls that get twiddle-pated, right? And that's a good Disney word, twiddle-pated. And, and they fall in love and, oh, he's just so dreamy. Do you know that godly dads don't fall in love with that boy? And dads and moms might see something in that boy that a twiddle-pated little girl may not see, right? And... If she has wise counsel and goes up and says, Dad, I really love him, but there may be some blinders on there. Is there something you see in his life that I should avoid? You know, that's wise counsel, isn't it? God can use other Christians to guide. But of course, we know many twiddle-pated young girls that said, Nuh-uh, I love him. He is perfect, and I will change him. And have her own way, and then has the consequences of it, right? So we're not talking about scenarios 3,000 years ago. We're trying to talk about humankind that follows their own way now, right? And they could say, I've got a peace. I just, I love him so much. We've all dealt with people like this. And so there are times that God says, no, you, you've determined to do whatever you want. Go ahead. But the right response is to look for counsel, to look for wisdom, to find God's will. And we can find God's will. But when it come time here, the people, instead of finding God's will, they said, we want a king. We want the government to answer our problems. So Samuel runs up to God and says, God, please, God, please, what do I do? And God says, tell them, go ahead, have their way. Have their way. Now, God continues. Notice what he says as he explains this. Notice with me again in verse number 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Here is the heart of the matter. Who is going to be God in your life? You see, Samuel was just the messenger boy. When they rejected Samuel's message, they did not reject Samuel. They rejected God. For us, we need to take that, that when people don't respond to us, let's say that we're door knocking and we try to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know when they reject the track, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. When we try to give someone biblical wisdom and they say, nah, I do whatever I want. They're not rejecting us. We can't take it personal. They're rejecting God's authority. They're rejecting God. I don't want to listen to what God said. I want my own way. It all comes to the idea, who is going to be in charge? God or someone else? That's as simple as it is. That's the heart of the matter. Who is going to be God? 
So the people who are looking for the government to, to solve their problems, they're not looking for God to take care of them. They want someone else to be God in their life. They want to determine what's right and wrong. You know why there's some people that don't go to God or wise counsel for things? Because they're afraid that the wise counsel or God will tell them, no, they're not supposed to do it, but they really want to do it. And if you'd be honest, there's probably some times that you did that too. Where you want it your own way and you didn't want to go ask God because you didn't want him to, him to tell you no. Isn't that how people truly are? But it comes down, what is the heart of the matter? They're rejecting God's authority in their life. God's authority. Now as Christian servants, this should encourage you a little bit that you can't take it personable. That if somebody doesn't listen to you, that's between them and God. That's between them and God. My job, if they don't listen to me, is then to pray and say, God, you work on them. And God could do a better job working on them than what I can. Amen. See, I cheat, right? For example, this is how we deal with biblical authority. I'm the biblical authority of my house. I'm the husband, the wife, and my kids. You know, there's times I do something stupid. And if I don't listen to my wife or my kids, my kids and my wife can cheat and go talk to my boss. Who's my boss? God. God, you teach him, you guard him, you direct him. Do you believe that God can answer that prayer? Absolutely. And doesn't that make a lot more peace in the house than my wife trying to hit me with a rolling pin and say, why don't you listen? Right? Again, she cheats and goes, talk to my boss and let God take care of me rather than her go through the frustration of trying to make me understand when I'm not ready to listen. Does that make sense? You see, this is how we solve it. It's not about me. It's between them and the Lord. I'm just the messenger boy. That's something that the Bible teaches. That gives us some comfort. But notice as we go on. And God's explaining it in verse number 8. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them out of Egypt. Even to this day. Wherewith they have forsaken me. And served other gods. So they do also to thee. God's saying Samuel let me tell you something. They've been rejecting me for quite a while. Don't take it personable that they reject you. You understand that if you won't obey visible authority, you will not obey invisible authority. And if you're not going to obey God, you're not going to obey the authority God places over you. Does that make sense? If you reject God, you're going to reject his authority. So Samuel, sorry to tell you, man, they've been rejecting me for quite a while. Don't be surprised that they're now rejecting you. It's not between you and them. It's between God and them. It's between God and them. That's the whole heart of the matter. Is that it is accountability between them and the Lord. So we start off with the period of the judges. Then we see the people's demand. We continue on with the prayer of Samuel. Notice as God finishes this up in verse number 9. Now therefore hearken to their voice. Tell them they can do whatever they want. Howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them. And show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. God says once again, go ahead. Tell them they can do whatever they want. But you also tell them there's consequences for those actions. You tell them that they can have their own way. But there's going to be consequences for them having their own way. Instead of seeking me. Which now brings us to this place here. In verse number 10. We see. We saw the period of the judges. The prayer of Samuel. 
or sorry, the people's demand, the prayer of Samuel. Then we see the pleading of Samuel. The pleading of Samuel. That Samuel now comes up to the people. Says, I talked to God. Let me tell you what he said. Verse number 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him a king. And he said unto him, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He shall take your sons and appoint them for his chariots and for his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. Here he says, yes, let me tell you what's going to happen. If you trust the government to solve your problems, the government, it's not going to be like you imagine it. Some people think that if the government takes care of my problems, we'll live in a utopia. Everything will be happy. Everything will be wonderful. Everything will be taken care of. Blue skies, birds chirping, the grass as green as it ever has. Pantries full, the stores all full with the stuff we need. But you understand, when you put your trust in something other than God, it is not going to be the utopia. And when you put your trust in the government, guess what's going to happen? He said, first of all, in verse number 11, And this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He shall take your sons and appoint them for himself and for his chariots and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. He says, the king will take your sons and forcibly make them work for him. He's going to make an army. And guess what? When a king has an army, he wants to use his army. So guess what? We're going to take your sons. We're going to put them to work. And they're not going to have a choice of the matter. We're going to force them to work for the government. Notice as it goes on. He gives them another warning. Verse number 13. Or verse 12. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And set him them his ear to the ground to reap his harvest. And to make his instruments of war and instruments of chariots. He says they're going to want war. Verse 13. And he will take your daughters and your, to be confectionaries. And to be cooks and to be bakers. He says guess what? The king, the government is going to take your daughters. And they're going to put them to work in places where the government says it's best. I'm sorry you can't work this job. The government has determined in all of its wisdom that the best job for you to do is over there. So that's where you have to work. Could you ever see a place where a government tells people what they could do and how, where they're supposed to work at? Absolutely. Notice as it goes on. Verse number 14. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive, garden, olive yards and the best of them and give them to his servants. That the government will take the people's lands and give them to others as gifts. Could you imagine a government taking people's property and saying, no, we're going to use it for this? Absolutely. And do people get grumpy over this type of stuff? Absolutely. And do they feel like they can't do anything about it? Absolutely. Notice as it goes on. It says... And he will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and his servants. Here we see the government's going to collect taxes and it's going to spread it out to all the people who work for the government. Could you see a government doing that? Absolutely. And do people complain about that? Absolutely. Is there anything they could do about it? Nope. But that's part of the consequences. He says, nope, nope, this is what you wanted. Notice as we go on. And verse number 16. And he will take your manservants and your maidservants and your goodliness young man and your asses and put them to his work. That the government will reallocate <coughs> your income, reallocate your possessions and your servants and put it to the government's work. So it's all about the government. Notice as it goes on. 
and he will take a tenth of your sheep and his servants. Again, he's going to reallocate those things that you hard work for and give them to other people. Then notice this, and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which you have chosen, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Why won't God hear you? Why is this such a mean verse? Because he said, you don't want this. He said, you'd be better off searching for me. But no, the government's my answer. I'm going to trust in the government. And guess what? It's not going to turn out like you dreamed it was going to be. And one day you're going to complain and say, God, the government's so mean and they're taking all my stuff and the taxes are so high. And I'm going to complain. And God says, no, this is what you wanted. This is what you wanted. You understand, I try not to get political, but we have to. We understand that we live in a world now that people want a socialist type of government. What is a socialist government? What well, comes up to the idea that the government chooses what to do in order to make people equal. They're trusting the government. Now this goes to communism. Communism is where the government's in charge. Socialism carries the idea that the reason why there's so much friction is because there's an there's inequality between people that you have rich people and you have poor people and if you can make it so everyone has the same income and everyone has the same stuff and everyone is equal then we'll take away all of man's problems and we'll all be happy well that sounds great in theory but there's missing a secret ingredient men are sinners men are no good loud uh, lousy sinners and no matter what scenario you put them in Men will find a way to be grumpy about it and still find a way to steal and still find a way to cheat and still find a way that it won't work and it never has worked. But the problem is that people want to trust the government more and more and more and saying the government will solve our problem. I know let's turn all the health care to the government and then everyone will be happy. Have you looked at the VA system? That's what happens when government runs it. Well, I know that if we could somehow let the government take all the money from the rich people and force them to, to give them to all the people who don't work, everyone will be happy. Well, I wouldn't be happy if you took my money and gave it away, so they're not going to be happy. And then people who are not working getting money, they're not going to be happy either because God designed us to work. Now, again, I'm just saying there's danger because that's exactly what people want today. They have rejected God and they're saying government is our answer. And they're not going to like the consequences when it comes up. And they're going to say, God, we need help. The government's too bad. And God says, no, this is what you wanted. You understand that there are times that God will give you what you want. But you also get the consequences of what you want. Let's go back to our examples. We'll have the twiddle-pated little girl. But daddy, I love him. Dad says, no, he's a no good scumbag. I know him. He is not good for you. But daddy, you're just trying to break up true love. I'm going to marry him anyways. And she does. And then later on, she has a broken down marriage and she's miserable. And she could have avoided the whole thing. How many stories do we know that happen just like that? You have someone that's moving away. And they go to a place where they don't have a strong church where they're growing. And now church isn't that important and things kind of die out spiritually and their kids are affected. That happens all the time. You understand, 
God will say, go ahead. If you're so determined to do whatever you want, fine, go ahead. That's not what I want, but go ahead. He'll give you permission. But then the consequences fall when we determine to go our own way. And he's warning them and telling them. So do you think the people are going to listen? Samuel said, listen here. It's not going to work out the way that you thought. It's not going to be the dream that you imagined. It's not going to be the utopia. You're not going to be taken care of like you thought you would be. It's not going to be about you. It's going to be about the government. It's going to be about the king. It's going to be about how they can keep going. It's not going to work out. You'd almost imagine the people say, you know what, Samuel, you're right. But is that how the people respond? Not at all. Notice if you don't mind. We started off with the period of the judges. Then we saw the people's demand, the prayer of Samuel. Then we come to this part of the pleading of Samuel where Samuel's pleading to them. <coughs> then we come to this. The people's refusal to obey. The people's refusal to obey. Notice with me in verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, but said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we will be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now, imagine, think about this. Think about what they're looking at. They're looking at not at God, but other nations. But that other nation looks like they're happy with their king. And that nation over there, they're doing really good with their government. And over there, that looks wonderful. We want that. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side. But oftentimes that green grass is because it's over a septic tank. And they're looking. We want to be just like them. They look like they're doing wonderful. We want that. But they're not doing as wonderful as they thought they were. Notice as they also said, we want our king that he may judge us. We want our king to tell us what to do. We want someone to say, this is what you need to do. Life will be easier if someone just tells us what to do. We don't have to make our own decisions. Someone tell us what to do. Well, it's not going to work out the way they say because the king may say some things that they don't want to do, but now they have no choice. Notice this. And go out before us and fight our battles. Now, again, this is a utopia type thinking. If we had a king, he'll be strong enough and he goes fights our battles. And we don't have to go fight. How's the king going to go fight unless he raises an army? And where's he going to get the army from? From the next door neighbor? No, he's going to take people from the nation to go fight. But again, they said, we have a king. He's going to go fight our battles. He's going to go take care of it. The king's going to stomp in and say, listen here. No. It doesn't work that way. And then he's going to go to war. But they're not thinking about it. it's going to be their kids that are going to be part of the war. It is their people that are going to be taxed. It is them that are going to suffer because of all of this. Just because they didn't want God to rule over them. They want it their own way. And they have their own way of thinking. This is what I want. And you can't, Samuel tried to plead out of them. He tried to talk sense into them. Nope, 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 you're wrong. It's going to be better if we have our own way. And it is not. Notice as it goes on. Verse 21. And Samuel heard the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. So he said, God, this is what they said. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken to their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go every man into his city. So basically he reports, says, all right, I'll go get you a king. Go back to your own city. I'll find a king and I'll let you know when it's time to gather again. 
course, we'll see that king tonight. But as we start off with this first point, we understand that this whole series is dealing with our heart. Our heart. Is your heart towards God? Is your heart saying, God, you tell me what to do and I'll do it? Or is your heart saying, I want what I want in my life? I want to do what I want to do. It's my way. I know better than God. We may not say that out loud, but that's how we surely act, that we know better than God. We don't need his wisdom. We don't need wise counsel. I know my own will. And every time we get our own way, we get in trouble. You see, it comes down at the very beginning. Who is going to be God? Are you going to submit to his authority? Or are you going to submit to your authority? May I give another example of his authority? That the Bible says that God is God. He made everything. And he has the right to do with whatever he wants. And God has set up a list of rules that said you must obey them. But unfortunately we've all disobeyed them. One of the rules is thou shall not bear false witness. We would say don't tell lies. You know that's God's rule and he made the rules. And we came to a choice where we said God either we're going to obey you or we're going to do what we want. And we did what we want. We said it's best in my life if I tell this lie. And there was consequences for that lie. Part of that consequences is because we broke God's law that we deserve to be separated from God and we deserve hell. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God didn't want to see a single person go to that awful place called hell. So what he did is he sent his son to die for us. Because he loved us that much. And all we have to do is accept him to forgive us of our sins. And this is the choice we're at now. That we know that we're sinners. But will you accept Jesus' free gift? Or will you say, no, I know my own way. I can get to heaven my own. I'm good enough. Or do you recognize that God is right and say, God, I need a savior. I need a savior. Beyond that, after you're saved, you come to the place. What is God's will for my life? Or what is my will for my life? Well, God, I know you say I'm supposed to give to you. But, you know, I know how to use my money better. God, your Bible says this, but you know, I really enjoy this. I'd rather do it myself. You see, the Christian life now comes to this idea, who is God? If God be God, serve him. If some other God is God, serve him. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The decision you have to make is, who's going to be God? Is it God's will that you want, or do you want your way? You determine which one's best, your way or God's way. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific,
specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.